Imagine, if you will, a cabin. What do you see? How many stories and rooms does it have? Is it a single room or multiple? Is it isolated in the woods or near water? Who's with you? Cabins in the woods have long been the setting for many a thrilling and frightening story. There's something about the feeling of being isolated, cut off from the hustle and bustle of the world and city life that intrigues and captivates humans. Whether it's a temporary escape from the day-to-day -day struggles, or a permanent move far away from civilization, most everyone has their dream cabin tucked away in their favorite spot in nature. Despite, or maybe because of, the horror tales and movies showing the dangers of being so far away, people have not been deterred from pursuing these dreams. Movies such as The Strangers, Friday the 13th, and Cabin in the Woods feature groups of people who travel for time away being confronted by monsters and killers. Multiple stories have been written about both fictional and true ghost stories and paranormal encounters with the creatures that roam the wild forests. So it's here that we find our next frightful tale. Tucked away in a cabin by a large, serene, and dark lake, huddled in a blanket while the fire softly crackles. Will we be able to ignore the animal noises, the creaking of the house, the scratching of tree branches? Is that a knock we hear, or is it just the wind? Just relax now as we settle in, as we visit with a struggling writer fighting his own imagination to find his lost wife. Come, let's venture now into the dark world of Alan Wake. Now, grab a warm drink for this cool night. Lock the doors, check under the bed and in the closet. Settle into your favorite seat and listen closely. It's time for another fairy tale. Once upon a time, Alan Wake wakes from a very vivid and frightening dream. He looks around wildly, a small breeze flowing across his face, a tiny swaying as he remembers where he is. He opens the car door, stepping out onto the deck of a ferry, taking his wife and himself to Bright Falls, Washington, and tries to remember the dream. Something about fighting the shadows, using his light to turn them away. Shaking his head clear, he moves to the front of the boat, finding his wife Alice standing at the railing as the small town comes into view ahead of them. The ferry docks, and the couple drives the car into town. Alan parks and heads into the local diner, looking for Carl Stuckey, the landlord of the cabin they're going to be renting. Exploring the back rooms, he is approached by a mysterious old woman. She hands him a set of keys, explaining that Stuckey has fallen ill, and she was entrusted to make sure Alan got these. He inspects them, 
turning them over in his hand and looks back up, discovering the woman has already left. Following suit, he turns and heads back outside to the car, driving off as Carl Stuckey runs after them, a set of keys in his hand. Alan and Alice arrive at the cabin, stationed on an island in the middle of the massive Cauldron Lake. The view is amazing, something Alice comments on along with the air quality, comparing it to the city life they left behind. The two move inside and begin to unpack. Moments pass, and Alice reveals that there was an ulterior motive behind their trip. She explains that she has been worried about Alan's writer's block, and scheduled for him to visit with a famed psychologist in Bright Falls, as well as arranging for a typewriter to be delivered to the cabin ahead of their arrival. Alan is infuriated, having wanting to believe that she understood what he had been dealing with, why he hadn't been writing. He leaves, angry, going for a walk out to the water's edge. A cry from Alice cuts the walk short, panic setting in as he runs back, only to see her being dragged into the lake's waters by mysterious force. He races down the hill from the house, desperate to reach her. A small drop-off appears and he jumps, diving into the frigid waters, blacking out as he submerges. Time passes. Alan wakes again in his car, this time with no cool breeze or steady swaying. He opens the car door, stepping out onto the rocky ground of a forest. Determining he must have driven his car off the road, he tries to remember how he got there exactly. Getting his bearings, he makes his way into the woods towards town, armed with only a flashlight. Progress is slow against the underbrush of the woods, and the hours pass in the darkness. Stopping to rest, he looks at the night sky, marking the directions to confirm he's still on the right path. A noise grabs his attention, his gaze moving to ground level, towards the source of the night. Through the bushes and trees come three shadowy figures, humanoid and very sinister. They pause, noticing him, before charging to attack the fatigued rider. He manages to dodge the attacks, looking around for some sort of weapon, the beam of his flashlight grazing one of the figures. It hisses and seems to scream as the light pierces it, disintegrating the black shape. His mind recalls the strange dream he had before arriving with the figure who informed him to always fight the darkness with light. He dispatches the other two shapes quickly, then runs off, following the path he had set for himself. As he makes his way through the growth, he finds a page of a manuscript caught in a branch off the path. The manuscript page is titled Departure. Underneath, his name, even though he has never written a novel under that title. He pockets it, and other pages he finds, and finally arrives back in town. Stumbling through the sleeping town, he makes his way to the sheriff's office, throwing the door open and beginning to ramble to the startled staff. Sheriff Sarah Breaker pulls him into the back room, listening to a story of the events surrounding his wife's disappearance. With concern, she stops him, informing him that there hadn't been any island or cabin in Cauldron Lake for years, ever since it sunk following a volcanic eruption. She leaves him in silence, placing a call to the FBI to investigate Alice's disappearance, while Alan contacts his publisher Barry, pleading for him to come and help. 
Morning arrives, and the day passes as Alan rests in the sheriff's office, desperate for word from anyone regarding his missing wife. The phone on the desk rings nearby, and he answers. A strange voice informs him that he knows where Alice is. In fact, he's the one who took her. And all he needs is the pages of departure for her safe return. The call disconnects. Alan collects the various pages and heads out to the state park. There, Alan finds the strange man easily enough upon arrival, quickly pulling out the pages, scanning to see if he can find any trace of Alice. The man reaches out his hand, ready to receive the pages, wind whipping up around the two. As his fingers touch the manuscript, the pages are scattered from the wind, and a dark tornado grabs the man, pulling him deeper into the vortex. Before he is consumed by the cyclone, he reveals to Alan that he never had Alice. Alan howls in fury before being knocked unconscious by flying debris. Awakening a short time later, he finds he's been joined by two men. He pulls himself off the couch they had laid him on, looking at his surroundings and the beautiful view of Cauldron Lake through the cabin's windows. Missing a cabin occupied island, just as the sheriff mentioned. Dr. Hartman, one of the two men, listened to Alan's story, with Barry, who had arrived late the night before. The doctor claims that Alan is suffering from a psychotic break, with everything he had been witnessing being part of his overactive and creative imagination. Frustrated, Alan attempts to leave the lodge just as it's rocked by a wave of shadowy force. The three men panic, with Alan gathering up the pages of departure from the office while Dr. Hartman fights against him, giving the impression that he is aware of the supernatural events surrounding the lake. The shadows pour onto the home, and Barry knocks out the doctor, helping Alan escape before the shadows subsume it and all those inside. The two take a car back into town, stopping at the diner and taking a few moments to regroup and collect their thoughts. Barry asks a few locals about the history of the town, learning that they all believe an entity called the Dark Presence is trapped within the lake and is trying to escape by using its powers to turn fiction into reality. The Dark Presence, they claim, has finally grown strong enough using Alan's creative mind and the manuscript pages to influence the townspeople and create the forces that have been pursuing Alan. Memories begin to flood Alan's mind, recalling the week prior that was previously lost to him. He sees himself in his mind's eye, writing out the pages of departure in a blur, no signs of the crippling writer's block. The doors of the diner open as Sheriff Breaker and a couple FBI agents enter, ready to arrest Barry and Alan. As they bear down on the two men, shadowy figures arrive, dragging the FBI agents away. Shocked, Sarah listens to the two about the Dark Presence, now convinced of its reality. With her knowledge of the town, the three locate a hermit, Cynthia Weaver, who fears and respects the Dark Presence. Cynthia shows them to a well-lit room, revealing to Alan a weapon that is able to defeat the Dark Presence. The Clicker, a simple light switch that had been infused with the power of Alan's writings. He holds the weapon, feeling the raw power coursing through it, then leaves, determined to end this nightmare once and for all. Alan returns to Cauldron Lake alone, standing near the water's edge, 
He can feel the darkness beginning to gather and envelop him. Clicking the switch, he uses his thoughts to affect reality, fighting back against the dark presence and its shadowy minions. The dark presence is dispelled under the power of the clicker. Alan looks round at the clear night, searching for his wife, coming to the conclusion that there must be a balance. He must give himself to the lake. Alan walks into the waters slowly, but determined. With each step into the freezing waters, he can see Alice slowly surfacing, climbing safely out of the lake. He finishes his descent, letting the waters overtake him, and finds his way to the cabin, climbing the stairs inside, moving to the room where his typewriter sits, waiting for him. The writer sits in the chair, knowing that departure isn't done yet, and begins to type, hoping to write out his own escape, and commenting to himself, it's not a lake, it's an ocean. The 2010 video game, Alan Wake, could be best described as a game with the mind of a psychology thriller and the body of a cinematic action game. While considered a version of survival horror, the game is most well known amongst fans for its twists and turns that make psychological horror such an attractive genre for those who seek a more complex form of scares. In the game, the protagonist Alan Wake must fight back against a growing darkness which overtakes local humans, animals, and objects changing them to Taken. To combat these dark foes, he must use not only his own flashlight, but other sources of lights like flares, street lamps, and flashbangs to weaken the darkness on the Taken enough to eliminate using a revolver. Another large part of the game is the collecting of manuscript pages for the novel Departure, which help the player infer what may happen in the next moments of the game. Radios airing Bright Falls local radio station provide background and lore behind the town's history and culture, and televisions can be activated to show a very unnerving show titled Night Springs. The story itself adds a uniqueness not often found in video games around that time. While more recent games such as Final Fantasy XV and the Telltale Game Studios collection of Walking Dead and Game of Thrones games have since adapted episodic storytelling, Alan Wake was seen as ahead of its time for breaking up its creepy story into multiple episodes. With this structure, each episode brings another piece of the puzzle to the main ongoing story, yet each has a distinct plot of their own playing out like a mystery TV program. Cliffhangers, title cards, and recap sequences help to expand on this theme, giving players distinct stopping points as well as a credits page with a different song playing at the end of each segment. While our chilling tale ends on a slight cliffhanger at the end of the game's original six chapters, the developers of the game did add on two more chapters on to finish the story. In the additional content, Alan journeys through the dark place, fighting bigger and badder dark monstrosities, before finally finding his way out, ready to begin his new story, Return. When one thinks of psychological thrillers and mystery television shows, many will rattle off a list of many for a new viewer to enjoy. 
One constant on every fan's list, however, is none other than the 1990 hit Twin Peaks. While certainly a much different story than the beloved show, there are many similarities which showcase the developers' love and respect for it. Both the game and the show are set in a small, seemingly unassuming town in Washington. Both feature a much darker past and history than what would appear on the surface, including a darkness that can infect the local townspeople. And of course, both have a local diner known for their amazing, damn fine coffee, in the immortal words of Agent Dale Cooper. The whole game itself, while inserting itself into the archives of horror on its own merits, does provide a type of love letter to the influences that it draws from. Many of the game mechanics, including enemies and collectibles, are references to other horror and psychological thrillers that came before. The television program, Night Springs, randomly starts playing with Alan approaches and interacts with the TV scattered throughout the world. The show is unnerving, meant to provide a player with unease even during the more peaceful moments of the game. The show itself is based on the anthology television show created by Rod Sterling in 1959, The Twilight Zone. Preceding more current anthology and miniseries type shows such as Black Mirror, Twilight Zone helped move radio dramas into the visual world bringing viewers into a collection of strange, terrifying, and occasionally sentimental stories meant to leave them wondering. The developers have listed various other smaller influences to provide the theme and feel to the game. The writings of Neil Gaiman and Brett Easton Ellis have been mentioned in multiple interviews, as well as the 2000 concept novel House of Leaves by Mark Z. Danielewski. Alfred Hitchcock's 1963 horror film The Birds helped to inspire one of the enemies that Alan fights against. At various points in the game, Alan must avoid and fight flocks of birds that have been taken over by the Dark Presence, an allusion to the plot of the Birds movie, once again reminding us why it's better to stay indoors when that murder of crows is flying overhead. Of course, the biggest influence to this world is none other than the master of horror, Stephen King. From the start of the game with a quote found in a King interview, to the vague cliffhanger ending, Alan Wake is truly crafted to resemble a world and story that King himself could have built. The developers even reached out to him to confirm their use of his quotes and references, and provided him a free copy of the game as a thanks for his participation. Many of the cars that drive through the town are in a classic 1950 style, resembling the metallic monstrosity known as Christine. A hedge maze in the middle of the game, as well as other references such as the infamous Here's Johnny act scene, pay homage to the 1980 horror film, The Shining. One cannot miss the biggest King reference, explored in detail in many of his books, including The Shining, Secret Windows, Secret Garden, and The Dark Half, the struggles of being a writer, and how their overactive imaginations can lead to real-life troubles. My first thoughts upon playing Alan Wake and going back over the story make me think of one of King's biggest works and the similarities between the two, the 1988 ghost story, Bag of Bones. 
In the novel, the protagonist, Mike Noonan, is an author struggling with writer's block after the sudden tragic death of his wife. Years after the event, he is struck with inspiration to visit an old cabin he and his wife purchased in the woods of Castle Rock, Maine. While there, he rediscovers his typewriter he started his career using, and begins crafting a new story while learning about the dark history of the town, including the death of a young girl that continues to haunt the area, causing the townspeople to drown their children for years. Using the clues left for him by the spirit of his wife left in the novel he started, Mike is able to find the bones of the ghost and her child and burn them, putting the spirits to rest, including his wife's. While the two stories offer two vastly different plots, one can see the various similarities they both offer. A struggling writer, a missing wife, a dark past, and a spirit that leads to death and pain. One can certainly take note that, especially for all those struggling authors, it's best to never write in a mysterious haunted cabin in the woods. You just never know what you're letting out. Fairy Tales is written and produced by me. Music is provided by Nicholas Gasparini. New episodes will be released every Wednesday. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud, as well as rate and review. Every bit of feedback is valuable to me, and I will be sure to give you a shout-out on a future show. Be sure to follow me on Instagram and Twitter at FairyTales13, and check out my Patreon for members-only rewards and goals I'd like to hit to provide you, my fans, with additional content and higher quality work. And remember, nightmares exist outside of logic, and there's little fun to be had in explanations. They're antithetical to the poetry of fear. Stephen King